Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Amen. Are you glad to be in the house this morning? Awesome. I trust you've sensed God's presence already. And if not, you might need to get your feeler checked. Amen. God's been in the place. Thank you so much for coming out this morning. Hope to minister to you today. Of course, we'll be sharing this word in the 11 o'clock as well. Uh, But as Pastor Mike said, we finished off a great week of revival here with Pastor Larry Gregory from uh, Lehigh Acres, Florida. And uh, as, as Mike said, he's just such a, uh, a simple preacher, but he's just a contagious guy, you know. He's, he's light, he's fun, he's, he's a great person to be around. I enjoyed hanging out with him and, and stuff outside of the ministry. That's kind of one of the perks of uh, having guests in. You get to hang out a little bit, eat, talk about some stuff. And he was just a blessing to us as a, as a crew this week for sure. Uh, and if you missed any of those services, you can catch up with those on the app, okay, on the COLG app. They're all on there in either audio or video form, so uh, check those out. But he finished his uh, revival series Wednesday night talking about being world changers. And I know in a church like ours, we use terms like that quite often, but the idea of being a world changer is a little bit intimidating, amen? A little bit daunting to be a world changer. And uh, we had a great response from that sermon on Wednesday night. Several people came up. Uh, probably a dozen or more came up saying, hey, I want to be a part of that. I want to step toward that next step, and that's awesome. But what about us as a church? What about us, the rest of us, amen, the rest of you? What? Not just the folks up here, not just the folks who came up Wednesday night, but what about you? What about being a world changer? What does a world-changing church look like? What does it look like? Is it possible? Is it realistic to expect that A few hundred people from Winchester, Kentucky can change the world. See, Pastor Larry, he he read a verse out of Acts chapter 17, verse 6. And uh, it says, When they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the cities, crying, These that have turned the world upside down have come here also. So in this scenario, there's a group of believers that have been called before the city officials. And they've been identified as being part of this group that has turned the world upside down. And this city had heard about these people. They'd heard about these Christians, these believers who followed a God who died for them and then rose again from the dead. They'd heard about them, and then when they got to their town, they said, oh my gosh, it's these people. They had a rep that preceded them, a reputation that went ahead of them. And when they got there, they were known as those who had turned the world upside down. And we can challenge you to be a world changer all day long, but if you don't know what that looks like, what's the point? Amen? If you don't know what a church like that would look like in a city, in a community, then there's no point really in taking too much time on the topic. As I thought about the message that Pastor Larry preached, it jumped into my spirit what would that kind of a church look like to outsiders? Would people see us and be able to distinguish us from those around us? These guys stood out. They stood out. When they showed up, people noticed. 
do we, as believers, do we fall in to the line, blend in with the background? And I'm not saying you got to be obnoxious. I'm not saying you got to have a bullhorn and preach on the corner. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when you're at work, do people know whose you are? Amen? Do people know in your family that you are a believer, that you know that God can do anything? Do you know that? If you know that, do you, does your family know that you know that? Do your coworkers know that you know that? Well, I can't just talk about that all the time. No, I'm not saying you have to all the time. But there are those moments, those God moments where a door opens and it's time to speak what God has done. There are those opportunities that God brings your way. Sure, you can seek them out. But God brings them to us sometimes, even when we're not looking. Amen? And he opens that door for us. And will we be the church that steps through it? Because the church is made up of individuals. The church is made up of people, real people with real lives. The people in this story, they were not made up superhero type people. They were Middle Eastern ancient people. They lived under Roman rule in uh, rock and dirt houses. They either farmed or hunted for their food. They lived a much different life than we do. But they were known for being world changers. So I want to challenge us today. The world-changing church, what does it look like? Could, could church of the living God be made up of world-changing people? And then collectively, could we change the world? So I want to, I want to show you some traits of the church. Now these, I'm going to give you three traits of this church in the book of Acts. We're going to be all in the book of Acts this morning. Um, these are not the only traits. There's more depth to the early church, to the first church, okay? There's a lot that goes on in the book of Acts. You need to read it three or four times and really soak it in. But I'm going to give you three things that jumped out at me as I was looking, okay? Number one, the world-changing church was focused on the cause. They were cause-centered people. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus has resurrected. He's been on the earth for 40 days. In that span of time, he has shown himself to hundreds of people, and he has, the Bible says, through undeniable words and works, he has identified himself as the Jesus that rose from the dead. Amen? And in Acts chapter 1, the people have gathered, 500 people have gathered on the Mount of Olives, and they're hearing the last instruction from Jesus. And as they receive that instruction, Jesus begins to lift off the ground. Now imagine, I know it sounds crazy, but this is what happened. We believe this, or you ought to. He began to lift off the ground. And as he was lifting off the ground, a cloud began to, to surround him, and he was received out of their sight into heaven. I don't know if he hit warp speed and went through the cosmos. I don't know if he teleported in an instant. I don't know how it worked. I just know it worked. He went up. They didn't see him anymore. And then they look around, and there's two angels standing there, two men in white. And they say, hey, why are you guys just standing here? Go do what he said. And what did Jesus say? He said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Now here's the thing, in Acts chapter 1, particularly in verse 14, it says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. These people had seen something so undeniable. These people had had an experience with God that they could not shake. These people had had him say words to them, had moved in their bodies, had moved in their families. God had done things for them that they just couldn't get over. And because they couldn't get over it, it changed the way they lived their life. It changed the whole focus. What has God done in us? 
And have we gotten over it? Oh, have we gotten over what he's done? How he's rescued us? Maybe for some of you, I know some of you, he's rescued you. When you were young, he rescued you. And he made a way out of a horrible situation. Amen. He's rescued us over and over again. He's healed us over and over again. He's kept us alive when we should have died years ago. Amen. He's kept our marriages together. He's brought our kids into his house. He's been good to us. Amen. There's been undeniable things that God has done. And it was so undeniable in their mind that with one accord, they continued together. With one accord. Now that verse, that that phrase, one accord, appears 12 times in the entire Bible. And 10 of those 12 times are in the book of Acts. 10 of those 12 times is referring to that first church that was so sold on what God could do that they reoriented their entire life on the cause. They reoriented everything to reflect and focus upon what He could do in the life of a person. With one accord, they continued. In fact, in the Greek, that word means unanimously. In the outline, it says it's a unique Greek word. It's a compound of two words, meaning to rush and to be in unison. The image is almost musical, it says. A number of notes sounded, which, while different, harmonize in pitch and tone as the instruments of a great concert under the direction of a concert master. So the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of the members of Christ's church with one accord. A world-changing church, what does it look like? It looks like a bunch of people who are so focused on what God has done and can do that their whole life reorients around it. Well, that's scary, man. That's scary. Because some of us, we, some of us not me, I'm 30 years from, from it, but some of us are worried about retirement. Amen? Some of us are worried about work, worried about the kids. Right, there's lots of other things going on. We're worried about COVID. There's all kinds of things going on. But is the cause of Christ enough for us individually, as families, as a group, to reorient our life? Because the only way we're going to change the world is if we lift Jesus higher than anything else. The only way we're going to change the world is if we lift the cause above every circumstance. Because if the cause is bigger, then every addiction must bow. If the cause is bigger, every dysfunction can be fixed. Every sickness can be made whole. Amen? Any person can come in because he will welcome anybody in. But he won't leave them. Amen? He changes us into his image. He gives us the mind of Christ. The cause. Is the cause enough in our life? It was so much for them. That over and over again, in one accord, they come together. They pray. They seek God. They, they ask God what to do. They ask God for boldness. All these different things. They did it together because the, the cause was so great. The world-changing church is focused on the cause. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Listen, it's hard getting people to revival four nights in a row. These people hung out for 10 days, 10 days straight, every day in the temple. They all went into the temple and they prayed, and in the evening they went back to the upper room for 10 days. Sunday to Sunday is hard enough. Monday to Wednesday is hard enough. Ten day, why? Because the cause, 
was so big to them. They could not shake what God could do. They could not move beyond it. And if He could do all of that, then there's another promise waiting for us. And all we've got to do is keep doing what He says. Could we as a church be people who change the world? Yes, but we've got to elevate the cause. We've got to remember, this whole thing started with 120 people. There's probably 50 people in here right now. This whole thing that is Christianity started with 120 people. And now it's numbering in the billions. Why? Because the first thing they did was elevate the cause of Christ. It was all about what Jesus could do. It was all about it. It wasn't about their retirement. It wasn't about their health. It wasn't about anything else. It was about what Jesus could do. And because they escalated the cause, God empowered them. Listen, God empowers us to elevate the cause. He he empowers us to carry it. The Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 because there were people who hung out long enough to get it. The gifts of the Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 because the people were so sold on what God could do that He had time to do it. It might take 10 days to get our hearts lined up, to get our minds lined up, to stop worrying about what's going on outside, to get focused on what God has for us and what He's empowered us to do. And then comes the power. Then comes the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost gets in us and it changes how we talk and it changes where we go and it enables us to take the cause of Christ further. But we got to get the cause above everything else. That's the biggest problem in the life of a believer. I'm telling you right now, I've been in the ministry a long time, even though I'm young, long time. And the biggest problem that an individual believer faces is, is putting God in the right place, in the order of things. Amen? Is that a fair statement? Is that not our biggest challenge? Putting God in the right place. He knows we have responsibilities. He knows we have people depending on us. He knows all of that. But if we make it about Him, if we get into His business, then He will get into our business. Amen? He will get into our business. I know this is challenging. It's meant to be. Amen? The cause of God is higher than our chill bumps. It's higher than our gifting. It's higher than our falling in the floor or speaking in tongues. The cause of God is greater. God will empower us to carry that cause as far as we can carry it. The cause that Jesus really did live the human condition. He really did overcome it. He redefined what it meant to be human. The cause is that Jesus really died for every single person as them for their sins. And he really did get up three days later. This is the cause. He was victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And anyone who believes this incredible news can be made blameless before God. Anyone. That's the cause. That's what this is all about. That's what we can't shake because when I was at my lowest over and over again, he stooped down and he picked me up. Amen. And even though I'm not as low as maybe someone else could have gone, there's been people who were higher and lower and he's reached us in every, every end of the spectrum. He's reached us. He's reached us when we were unreachable in our own minds. This is the cause. Will we elevate the cause above everything else? The second thing about the church was that they were bold because they had been with Jesus and they kept being with Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John have healed the lame man at the beautiful gate and it's caused quite a ruckus at the temple. 
And it causes the, the elders and the leaders of the temple to seize them. And they take them into a room and they put them in the middle of the room and they say, by what power and what name have you done this? And boldness stands up in Peter and John. And Peter says some stuff that rocks them. He says in verse 7, or it says in verse 7, when they'd set them in the midst, they asked, by what power and what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to this impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. He says, this is the stone that the builders rejected, which has become the head of the corner. Verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. They saw the boldness, it says in verse 13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled. They're like, these guys shouldn't know what they're talking about. These guys look far more simple. They're just from Galilee. They're just fishermen. A little bit of prejudice in there, huh? They marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So the biggest attribute of the church is that they elevated the cause. The second attribute is that they were so often, so much with Jesus that they were bold because of it. Listen, if you're talking to Jesus every day, I know this is a challenge. It's hard to talk to Jesus every day, isn't it? When you're talking to Jesus every day and you're letting him talk back to you, there's going to be a boldness come upon you. There's going to be a strength well up in you. Jesus said, when you need words to say, the Holy Spirit will give them to you. When you need to remember something, the Holy Spirit's going to help you remember. This is what was happening. They had so elevated the cause of Christ, and they were continuing to talk to Jesus, and to be with Jesus, and a boldness stirred up in them. Now, it's listen, this is a unique scenario here. The odds of us getting thrown into a room and asked how we just healed somebody might be slim to none, okay? For you, it might, be, it might not be a regular thing. I hope it becomes a regular thing, amen, where people are getting healed so much that they're like, how's this happening? Who's doing this? And we get to say, Jesus is doing this. He's still alive. He's still able. His arms aren't short, amen? He can still reach. And he can still do it. But a boldness stood up in them. Get a boldness in, in you. Allow God to get a boldness in you. Because you've so focused on his cause. The boldness stood up within them. And then in verse 23, they were let go. And they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said unto them. Verse 24, and when the group of Christians heard it, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord again. In, in unison of passion and focus. And they said, Lord, thou art God who has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Skip down to verse 29. It says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. They didn't ask God to take away the adversity. They didn't ask God to take away the tension at the family thing. If I talk about God, it's going to be tense. Oh, man. They didn't ask for any of that. They asked for boldness. They asked for boldness. They said, God, grant your servants boldness because we know what you've done for us is so amazing. 
And what you can do in someone is so amazing. Grant us boldness that we may speak your word. And he says, by stretching forth your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Are we going to be bold? Listen, guys, there's people being bold for a lot of things. I see things on Facebook. I see things on TV, and I'm like, why are they talking about that? Like, that's backroom stuff that people shouldn't even be talking about. And it's everywhere. They're bold with it. Perverse things, horrible things. Tell you what, I'll be honest, there's lots of people preaching the gospel of COVID too. A lot of believers. I'm not saying there's not any reality to it. I'm saying if if as a believer you're more focused on that than you are Jesus, there's an imbalance. There's an imbalance, and I feel the tension. I feel the resistance, so I'll walk away from that. Jesus touched the leper. Jesus went to the sick. He didn't recoil and say, I don't have my mask. Amen? Are you with me? Leprosy was far more deadly in that day. The cause was so great. They went to the blind man. They went to those people who needed him. God forbid that we preach the gospel of anything else but over the gospel of Jesus Christ. God forbid we tell any other story about our encounter with a disease or anything else over our encounter with Jesus. Amen? Let us not be a church. Let us not be a church that fears more than we preach. Let us be people who love God and love people so much that, hey, even if i got to do it through a mask, I'll say, hey, God has been good to me. He has been faithful. He has been present in times of trouble. He has raised me up. When I should have been down. Amen. He has kept me. Let us be that people. Third thing about the world changing church. They took the cause of Jesus everywhere they went. Even in adversity. Even in adversity. Acts uh, Acts chapter 8 verse 1. This is talking about the death of Stephen. the, uh, The deacon in the church. It says, Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. That's where their headquarters was. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The apostles stayed, but all the other believers scattered. Skip down to verse 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. They went everywhere preaching the word. Now, understand the scenario. They have been scattered because of persecution. Not because people don't like them, but they don't like them so much that they're hurting them. Right? Not their feelings, their bodies. Okay? A great persecution. Persecution rose up against the church of Jerusalem. And so they were scattered. The apostles decided to stay. But the people preaching the word weren't the apostles. The people that were scattered preached the word. They were scattered. They went out. And you would think that if you're being sent out of your home for a particular reason, that you probably wouldn't keep doing the thing that caused you to be sent out of your home. Amen? But they did the exact opposite. They were scattered abroad, and they that were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. The word preach means to announce good news. 
doesn't mean you put a three-point sermon together, you have an intro and an outro, and then you do an altar call. It's not what we're saying. They preached. They told people the good news of what they'd experienced. They told people that God was good and that he was faithful, that Jesus was real, that he had died for them as them, that he had risen from the grave after three days. They told them that the Holy Spirit came upon them and empowered them, and they took it everywhere that they went, even in adversity. They took it everywhere. Verse 5 says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. I don't know what that looked like. He might have stood on a corner and screamed out the gospel. He might have just started talking to people. He might have said, hey, have you heard about Jesus? He might have put on a miraculous display. I know that that came. Whatever it was, he began preaching Christ unto them. And the people, with one accord, they gave heed to the things which Philip spake. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. There was great joy in that city. First of all, the world-changing church elevates the cause of Christ. Secondly, secondly, they take that cause. They have boldness. With boldness, they take that cause. And thirdly, they take it everywhere, even in adversity even in adversity. And because they did that, change came. Change came. Philip did something in the face of adversity that we may hopefully never experience. He did it. And real transformation came. If you read the rest of Acts chapter 8, it's amazing. There's a sorcerer in Samaria, like a legit sorcerer. He has power with the kingdom of darkness. And he comes to them, and he wants what God is offering. To the point where he offers to buy it. And of course, Peter comes and he smacks that down. No, that's not how this works. But this sorcerer comes to Jesus. A sorcerer. Not a guy with a bad attitude. This guy's got demons. He's got power with the kingdom of darkness. But because they preached, even though they were scattered, because they took Jesus, even in adversity, to the people around them, A man who was greatly bound was made free. And it changed the city. It changed the city. So I want to highlight to you this morning, lastly, that even though in Acts chapter 17 these people were identified as those that had turned the world upside down, truly they had not turned the entire world upside down. I know we hear that word world and we think of the globe. Right? For them, for them it wasn't about the globe. It was about the society. And really, the Greek word world means, it's the Greek word cosmos, and it means the orderly arrangement, the structure of things. So when they say they've turned the world upside down, they said, hey, these guys have come, and they're turning everything that we know upside down. They're telling us that people who can't be healed can be healed. They're telling us that dead people can get back up. They're telling us that people who are bound for hell can go to heaven. They're telling us that the poor can inherit the earth. Amen? That's what they're telling us. In our world, the rich inherit the earth. But in the kingdom of God, the poor inherit the earth. Amen? They're telling us all these things that are counter-cultural. It's not what we believe. And it's turning our world upside down. They didn't turn the globe over. But they changed the spheres of influence around them. They changed the worlds around them. There's all kinds of worlds that we encounter every single day. You ever heard that phrase, when worlds collide? Amen. 
People you encounter at work that come from a whole different world. People in your family that come from a whole different world. Are we going to be world changers? Are we going to be world changers? Do we really want to do what they did? It's going to be adverse. People might not like it. They might get mad at you. They might hurt your feelings. They might hurt your body. We're getting there in our culture. Is the cause of Christ worth that for us? And listen, I don't expect somebody to be like, yeah. That may be Mark. He, he might do that. <laughs> but most of us, that's something we got to chew on, amen? we got to chew on that because God is calling us to transform our city. God is calling us to transform our families. Us, real people, just like them. And it's going to get adverse, and it's going to get tense sometimes, and they're going to fuss at us, they're going to have expectations of us. But is the cause of Christ worth it? Is it enough? Has God done some undeniable things for you? I mean undeniable, like you know, doesn't matter what anybody says to you. It wasn't coincidence, it was not happenstance. You prayed, you asked, you sought, and God moved. He did it. There's no way around it. There's no other logical way to explain it than can we tell people that God has done it. Amen? Amen. Can we tell people? Stand up this morning. Thank you for listening today to The Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.